Somebody give him one more praise in this house. Come on, give him one more praise in this house. Glory! <laughs> Come on, lift your hands all over this sanctuary in the presence of the Lord tonight. Woo, his glory is in this house. His glory is in this place. His glory is in this place. His glory is in this place. Woo! What a privilege it is to be in the house of the Lord. You can remain where you're at for the next few moments. We're so grateful tonight that by divine orchestration of God, God uses fivefold ministry in such a profound way in his church. And a little cold front moved into the Midwest and parts of the U.S. the past couple of days. And there was a, uh, a young man not too fond of the cold that jumped in a plane and said, I'm going to head down to Florida for a couple days. But I believe sometimes God knows just how to turn the wind to direct the sail of a ship or a vessel. Amen, somebody. And uh, it is a privilege to have Brother Nixon Dowdy in the house of the Lord with us tonight. This young man is no stranger to this house. We love the Dowdy family very much. And uh, I stand back in great admiration of some of the great young men that are coming up in the kingdom of God that have fallen in love with this precious truth. How many of you understand that the Bible tells us that in the last days that people would be deceived? Not because they didn't know the truth, but because they received not a love for the truth. Somewhere truth has to make the 18-inch journey from here to here. And it has to become more than knowledge. And it has to become something that you absolutely fall in love with. Amen, somebody. And I'm thankful for another generation of young men and young ladies who have fallen in love with this truth. And God is anointing them powerfully to be used in this last day. And Brother Nixon Dowdy is such a young man. And we're honored that he's here tonight, and we want him to come. And I want him to just obey the Holy Ghost. Would that be all right? This church, will, we're ready to ride with you, Brother Dowdy. Whatever the Holy Ghost is talking to you about, we're ready to move wherever the Lord is moving. Amen. One more time, would you lift your hands all across this house? And while your hands are lifted, would you lift your voice in the presence of the Lord as Brother Dowdy comes to deliver the word of the Lord to us? Come on, better than that, better than that. Lift your voice. Come on, we're on no time schedule here tonight. Jesus, we love you. Come on, I know we can jump and shout, but can we talk to him just for a little bit? Father, I love you. I need you, Jesus. Come on, Rock Church, better than that, better than that, better than that.
I mean, do you love him? I mean, really, do you love him? If he never does another thing for me, he's already done too much. It's times like that I wish I could sing, but I can't. just going to have to get into it, otherwise pastor's going to lullaby me to sleep up here. Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're going to jump around just a little bit tonight. I do feel that I have a word for you. I do feel that the Lord wants to do something special in this place. I'm going to do my best to hopefully deliver this the way the Lord wants me to. Of course, it is such an honor to be with your first family. Pastor, Bishop, Reverend, singer, songwriter, killer of innocent animals, Williams. So good to be with him and your first lady, Sister Williams. I, and then the, the two boys, both bigger than me, but I still love them like my little brothers, of course. All the ministry here at the Rock Church, Brother and Sister Sloss, Brother Trevor. You know, the last time I was up here, Brother Trevor said, why don't you ever mention me? And I said, well, let's just let it be about you, Brother Trevor, not about the Lord, so. But we all know how carnal he is tonight, so we're just gonna, we're just gonna let the Holy Ghost try and use at least some of us here. <clears throat> just kidding, that's an incredible young man over there. Amen. incredible young man and his wife and not really got a chance to talk to her much but she seems wonderful as well amen Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse number 2 we're going to just jump around here for a little bit and thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the Lord doth man live. Then if you'll flip over in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse number 10. Bible says in Deuteronomy 32 and 10, he found him in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness. Everybody say waste howling wilderness. And in the waste howling wilderness, he led him about. He instructed him and he even kept him as the apple of his eye. And then lastly, let's go to the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 9. The Bible says, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and necessities and persecutions. One writer said in vulnerabilities. 
and in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. When I was preparing for this message for tonight, I felt the Lord begin to put on my heart that some of you have some promises from God, some God-ordained promises. And some of you are struggling with trusting that he's going to make them come to pass. And so I want to preach to you just for a little bit. Look, I'm aware of what time it is. Nobody knows more than me. I got the mic. I know what time it is. I'm hungry too. Preach to you on this title, The Vulnerability of the Desert. The Vulnerability of the Desert. If you put your Bibles down, you lift your hands, your voices in your hearts. One more time, Jesus. We love you, God. We thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing, what you're going to continue to do. God, we thank you for what you've already done in this service, what we've been allowed to feel. God, we're asking that we respond, that we get the revelation of what you have for us, that you will continue to pour out your spirit. Come on, Rock Church, better than that. Lift your voice. Get under the burden of what he has. Come on, if you can speak in tongues, speak in tongues, intercessions in this house tonight. say, neighbor, you look good tonight. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. I hope we ain't got no liars in the house tonight. Amen. I did a couple of studies in preparing for this message, and I wanted to really grasp and comprehend what it would be like for these children in Israel to be moving and working all throughout the wilderness, all throughout the desert. So I did what I know to do. I went to Brother Google, and I began to ask him, what would it be like to survive in the desert? And they had many testimonies and many articles that you could read of how to survive in the desert, some things to avoid, some things that would take a toll on your physical body. And so these are just a few of the suggestions that they had, some things to look out for. One writer said that deserts are some of the most unforgiving habitats on the planet. They are barren wastelands where only the hardest of creatures can have any hope of surviving. One writer said the desert is harsh and cruel. It is exceptionally hot during the day and it is very cold at night. Temperatures can plummet below freezing come nighttime. Another writer said that distances are another dilemma in the desert. They are dangerously deceptive. Objects in the distance could seem very close, so close that you could touch them when in all reality you would probably perish before you would ever reach them. Water and food is also hard to find. One testimony of a man that I read that was stranded in the desert says that he found himself in a cave and he survived off the meat and the blood of bats. We had anybody in the house tonight have to survive off the blood of bats, say amen. Thank God, we're going to have to deal with a whole other issue tonight. Another writer said that shelter is also very hard to come by 
and that as you would be exposed to the radiant sun uh, would be one dilemma you would have, but also uh, sandstorms that are all too frequent in that region. But every rider had one thing in common, that being alone in the desert not only leaves your body vulnerable, but also your mind. So I want to begin to, to just get you to understand here tonight the vulnerability that Moses would have been in while making his way through the desert. Now, we have this, this man by the name of Moses, and he is fleeing Egypt. After he has killed an Egyptian and buried him in the sand, he flees to the backside of the desert all alone. Now, I know that I'm just taking a little bit of time here tonight, and, and I promise that we'll do our best to, to get back where we were in worship. And if worse comes to worse, we'll just hand Pastor back the mic, and we'll praise break it, and all will be good, and you'll forget all about me. But this is a man, let me remind you, this is a man with advanced knowledge in hieroglyphics and science and literature and military tactics, and now he is sentenced to life on the backside of the desert. I find in my studies and the older I get that the long desert experience is unavoidable when choosing a life that is pleasing to the Father. One writer said that time is no object with God who demands quality at all costs, for there is therefore no point in chafing under the discipline of the training years or in the endeavor to take a shortcut, shortcut as it will inevitably prove to be a dead end. Now, there are three responses tonight that we offer ourselves when we are thrust into the desert experience, when we are thrust into isolation, or we are thrust into when we are lonely. And the first is that the response of, I don't need it. And this is the response of pride. I, I, I don't really need the words of the pastor, and I, I don't really need to come to church three times a week, and, and street evangelism just isn't for me. I, I, I just really... I, I don't need to be in prayer like maybe everybody else is because, you know, I've got my life together. I, I, I've got it all together. Now, I'm just teaching here for a little bit here tonight, but let me tell you something. I hope that our relationship tonight with the Father isn't that of one that is need-based. Let me tell you, if your relationship with Jesus Christ is need-based, then he's going to give you a need. Let me just go to this side because I got some standing up over here. What that means is what this short preacher is telling you today, that unless it's your kid that's backslidden, unless it's your finances that are in shambles, and unless your marriage hasn't been put back together, then what good is it to have a relationship with him? Now, I know I'm just teaching here a little bit, but I feel like the Holy Ghost is starting to stir in this place a little more than it already has. If you could get it made up in your mind that no matter what comes, no matter if it's good or bad, I'm going to love him. Don't let our relationship with him just be need-based tonight. Now, we had about 85% that were responding to the worship tonight, but I'm looking for 100%. Is that okay? So I'm just going to keep teaching just a quick little Bible study for you here tonight. You guys can be seated if you want. I know you may not because you guys just stand up here all the time. But you do whatever you feel in the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to mention it again, all right, my brothers? That's the first response, the one of pride. I don't need it. The second response that we give ourselves in the desert experience is that I'm tired of it. 
And now this is the response of short-sightedness. Why me, God? Why do I got to go to the desert again? Why, 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 why I, must I go through everything? Let me take it a step further. Uh, Pastor, why am I not getting to play the drums? And why has nobody asked me to do announcements or lead prayer? Why, 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 why me, God? This is this victim mentality that I think is trying to creep into the church over the last couple of years. That everything just, you know what, we got to dress different and, uh, and we got to act different and, and we can't do what everybody else is doing on Instagram. I mean, no, it's okay. Just a short little Bible study. I don't want anybody to get too excited here tonight. The third response, like I said, I'm not going to say it anymore. You guys stay or sit down. It ain't going to bother me none. The third that we offer ourselves in the desert is that of one that God's looking for and that's that I accept it. I accept it, God, that you may have to take me through some things. You, you, you may have to make me vulnerable. You may have to not make it so easy on me. Now, vulnerability in the kingdom is not to lose, but rather to gain. Now, the ultimate spiritual maturity when it comes to vulnerability in the desert is that God can love whoever he wants through you without having to deal with you first. Yeah, that's good preaching. I don't care what you say. I said the ultimate vulnerability in the kingdom is that God can deal with and love whoever he wants without having to deal with you first. Well, pastor, I just don't know that I can come up and pray with him or teach that Bible study because, you know, Sister Williams isn't with me to teach it this time. I, I, just, I just don't know that I, I could really worship and get out of my comfort zone the way that he wants me to because, you know, I might look silly. And I, and I took some time with my hair tonight. Vulnerability in the kingdom is not to lose. Don't be mistaken tonight. God's looking for some of us to struggle a little bit so that we can come out a little stronger. That, that's just a spoiler alert for the end of the message. And you know, the sad thing is when it comes to dealing with new people and, and new converts and people that we don't really like to be inconvenienced with, the problem is that we, we oftentimes in vulnerability have to be willing to be hurt by those that God's trying to get us to reach for. You know, I, I had a, I was talking with Pastor earlier. I had a backslidden uncle, my father's older brother. I'm sure some of you saw it. 35 years he was backslidden. Came back to church a few weeks ago. Refilled with the Holy Ghost. Look, let me tell you something. I don't care how many times they told you I ain't coming. I don't care how many times they told you this ain't for me. If you're willing to be heard and be rejected and be vulnerable, there's no telling what prodigals will come walking back through that door. Some mama's got to get in their spirit. I'll wait on my baby. I'll wait on my mom and dad to get in here. Amen. That's just my introduction. We're going to get to point number one now. Point number one. The Bible says that Moses flees Egypt. He runs away. He gets out of there. He kills that Egyptian, buries him in the sand. And his first encounter with civilization in the desert is people reminding him of his mistake. What the world knew him as. They say, oh, look, here comes that Egyptian with all his garments on, thinking he's better than us. Is, are, will you make yourself a prince over us? Reminding him of his mistakes. Reminding him 
of his past, what, he, what the world knew him as, what the world thought he should be, how he should act. Some of you here tonight, you got people telling you in your life, you'll never amount to anything. Do you realize what you've done, what, what your past is going to keep you from in the kingdom? Some of you got the devil whispering in your ear that you'll never amount to anything in this. But I, I thought I was in a church that was called the royal priesthood, a peculiar people, a holy nation. I thought you were called out, set apart. Look, I don't care what this world tries to tell you, what the devil's been putting in your ear. If you look at the devil in his face, punch him right in the nose and say, greater is he that is in me. Amen. I know this is just a Tuesday night, so we're just trying to move quickly here for a second. The Bible says in Nehemiah 9 and 19. Now, Nehemiah is giving an account of what happened uh, with the children of Israel in the wilderness and, and their exodus. And the Bible says that yet thou manifold mercies forsook them not in the wilderness. Some of you feel lonely tonight. 2020 gave an excuse to every person not to be in church. I mean, it did. Let's, let's, that's okay. Let's call it what it is. What God, what some of you are calling loneliness and isolation, God's saying, I was just trying to separate you from a couple of jokers that were keeping you from the house of God. It's, I, I don't really like being by myself, preacher, and I, I don't really like what I've been going through. But look, let me tell you, he'll never leave you, nor forsake you. When you're going through your wilderness, when you feel vulnerable, when you feel weak, when you feel beat up, when you feel like you can't go on, God said, I'm with you. I got a pillar by night and a cloud by day that's willing to lead you out of this. The Bible says that Nehemiah continues to give an account in verse 27, and he says, Therefore thou deliveredest them into the hand of their enemies, who vexed them, and in time of their trouble, the Bible says, when they cried unto thee. Look, every once in a while, some things are going to only come when you cry out. No, 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 hear me today. Hear me. I'm not talking about, Pastor, why me? Why has God done this? But I'm talking about some saints at the Rock Church that said, I can't do this by myself. But Jesus, it's me and you till the end. I'm willing to cry out, make a fool of myself, be beat up and busted, but still say, God, it's me and you. And though things may not look right, I'm still going to dance. I'm still going to run. I'm still going to praise you because it's just you and I. I wish I had some people that had a vulnerable praise in their spirit tonight that would say it doesn't look it doesn't matter what tomorrow looks like. It doesn't matter what it holds. I'm still going to worship him. Come on, clap your hands in this place. Now, that verse can, is it okay that I unbutton my top button? Is that okay? If, if my mama saw that, she would slap me, so. I'm glad you all laugh and you think I'm kidding, but. The Bible says, when they cried unto thee, thou heardest them from heaven, and according to thy manifold mercies, thou gavest them saviors, who saved them out of the head of their enemies. Now, TRC is about as blessed as it comes when it comes to spiritual leadership. Yeah. God has sent you a man and a woman of God to be right on time. To speak into your life and help you to finish the race. Now, 
I love your man and woman of God very much, like family to me. And I'm not tearing down the ministry by any means, because I know that Reverend Williams could beat me up in a second. So I'm going to tread lightfully here. But the Bible says in James 5 and 17 that Elias or Elijah was a man subject to passions as are we. Now, as much as I love your pastor and first lady, they're not perfect. And, and, and they go through the same struggles and through the same things that we all go through, matter of fact. I, I grew up a pastor's kid. I, I, I've been on the other side. I see it. Now, the other thing, that the other misconception that we get about our pastors is that there's a different Holy Ghost living in them. That they got a different faith about them. That, 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 that God just blessed them tremendously and that's unobtainable for us. I think there are some people here tonight that God's given you a promise to be a world changer, a preacher, a prayer warrior, a Bible study teacher. Somebody that can do outreach with the best of them. And every once in a while, you got to look at yourself and you say, I don't care what my last name is. I don't care where I came from. I, 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 I don't care what I've been through. God, I know that you're still working. God, I know that you can do in me what you did in them. I wish somebody would get something in their spirit that says, I'm not stopping till God does it through me. I'm not stopping till I receive my blessing. I'm not stopping till I see every promise unfold. <laughs> Romans 12 and 3, it says that, but to think soberly according to God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Not a measure of faith, not a specific measure of faith, not a, a pastor-only measure of faith, but the measure of faith. I wish somebody had the boldness tonight to begin to ask God for very specific things in the Holy Ghost. Your faith is no different than your pastor's. If you'll ask God for big things, you'll get a big reward. The reason that man's got what he's got is because he was willing to ask God for something. Some of you need to stand to your feet and begin to proclaim and grab some things in the Holy Ghost. And say, God, I know my calling. I know you promised me that my babies would come back. I know you promised me a healing. Every once in a while, you got to look to the heavens and say, God, I need you. God, I worship you. And look, you can stand up here and look at me, but I didn't die for your sins. I didn't shed my blood for you. You got to look up and say, God, whatever you want me to be, I'll be it. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And you see, this victim mentality creeps in on us. And we start trying to, to qualify what we do and how we do it by our talents or abilities that we think we have or don't have. Now, the Bible says that Moses goes to that bush that's talking and he says, who am I to take on Pharaoh? For I'm slow to speech and, and, and God, don't you know that I don't have my stuff together? Don't, don't you know that I can't go into the king's court because I, I, I just, I, I, don't, I, can't, I don't have the right words. There's no fluidity to me. My God, it's, uh, there's a couple of young men, pastor, that I try and mentor. And the biggest excuse more than anything why they can't do something is the kingdom is, I don't know how. I, I just, I, you know, I just don't, uh, I just don't have the goods. You know, my, you know I had one, one young man, he almost got throat punched. He said, well, man, my last name's not Dowdy, so I just don't have it. Some of you need to stop qualifying your call of God based upon what you think, what you think qualifies you. 
<laughs> and you see, the Bible says that the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he stops him on a dime, and he says, who made your mouth? And who put the words together in your mouth that you're talking right now? I want to encourage somebody tonight. It doesn't matter who you are. I don't care if you play the piano or not. I don't care if you never touch this microphone. God has called you to win somebody. God has called you to teach a Bible study to you. God has called you to reach your family members. The worst thing you can do is come back and sit on your hands and say, I just got the Holy Ghost just for me. I don't want to take anybody with me to heaven. Yeah. I'll say it. I don't care. I'm just from Illinois. Because that spirit's been bumping me all night. Some of you are trying to qualify yourself as to what you think you can do in the kingdom because of how old you are, what your home life is like, whether you got a nice suit or not. And you've already counted yourself out before God's even begun to deal with you. You say, I can't do that. I'm trying to teach them right now, and they don't want it. Some of you got some promises tonight, and you just already disqualified yourself. Bible says that after Moses runs in with these men and, and they remind him of his past, that the Bible says that he meets his future father-in-law, a man by the name of Jethro. And it isn't a short time after that he gets married and the Bible says Jethro, uh, uh, Jethro looks at Moses and says, all right, time to take care of my sheep. Time, time to lead my sheep through the backside of the desert. Now, I'm not saying that this didn't happen, but just from what we find in Scripture, we don't have any record of Moses' four decades in Midian that God talks to him. I'm not saying he didn't, but I'm just saying through four decades, we don't have one recording that God and Moses were talking every day, that he was coming on a Tuesday night and angel's wings were brushing him and pastor called me out from the, with the microphone and everybody prayed for me and thought I was real spiritual. Silence, loneliness, vulnerability, backside of the desert with nothing but some sheep. Before you can, because we, look, the thing is we always talk about the glory of the burning bush experience, Pastor. We talk about the miraculous. We talk about, about wanting the great things of God being called to, to go back into Egypt and, and save everybody. But nobody wants to talk about tending to the sheep. And the worst thing about it is that, <laughs> the worst thing about it is that the shepherd doesn't produce more sheep. Sheep produce more sheep. So you say, Pastor, this is your church, this is your job, this is your responsibility for us to go get people out there and bring them in here. Sheep produce most sheep. So sheep, it's your job to get people in here. And they say, well, I've not had the miraculous happen yet. I, I've not happened, I've not seen the promises come to pass like I thought they would. Are you willing to be a shepherd? Are you willing to look out and say, I'll take care of whatever you need me to, Pastor? Accountability in the kingdom is not running to your pastor after you've already made a decision, but coming to your pastor and saying, what do you want me to do? Hey. 
There's nothing more that you can do in the kingdom to get God's attention when you feel like there's silence all around than to go win somebody. You say, I, I, I've not felt the spirit of God in a long time. And, and, and you know what, I, I, I think the music's great here, but I, I just don't feel the outpouring of the Holy Ghost and the anointing like everybody else does. You want his attention? You want him to get you to notice you? Go bring somebody through those doors. And all those angels say, whoa, whoa, whoa what's this? <clears throat> now, I think that we got this uh, terrible mindset in the kingdom that it is only whenever we feel our call to preach and we come to the pastor and we say, hey, I'd like to preach now, and it doesn't happen, that then we've given up on everything. I think that, the look, somebody's been asking God in here tonight for some direction, for some divine direction, a sign, a task orchestrated by the angels. Okay, here it is. Here's your word. Your calling in the kingdom. Ready for it? This is crazy. Revelatory. Get ready for the Facebook and Instagram post. Your calling tonight is the need of the church. And I don't care if it's pulling weeds, teaching a Bible study, cleaning the toilets, changing the batteries on the microphone, tying pastor's shoes. I don't care what it is. But until, <laughs> you see, Pastor, we're getting down to about 40% participation here tonight. And I'm just, look, I'm, I, I want to be a nice guy. I do. I don't want anybody to think I'm mean or better than anybody else. It's not who I am. But I'm just trying to tell you what God's been dealing with Nixon Dowdy about. And if I can help anybody along the way, then I've saved you a little bit of vulnerability. <clears throat> now, the Bible says that Moses was a prince in Egypt uh, 40 years before he fled to the wilderness. David waited in a cave close to 20 years before his kingdom came to pass. The bad thing is, is that we are bound by the failure of expectation. We're bound by the failure of expectation. We come in, we have, we have a great service, we have revival. From what I, I watched a few of the clips, like Sunday night, where we're praising him in advance, and God's doing the work, and sister's getting up here and, and moving in the Holy Ghost, and she was. I felt the anointing through, through my phone. And, and, and what happens is we have a great service like that, and God does exactly what he needs to do in us, and we think, okay, now's my time to shine in the kingdom, and when it doesn't happen, failure takes place. Because we say, Pastor, I'm ready for it. I, I'm ready to do what God's called me to do. I, I'm ready, ready to go on my journey back into Egypt to lead everybody else back. And it doesn't happen. It don't happen like we think it's going to happen. And we, another service comes along and God begins to speak to us. And we say, I, I, God, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. And a year passes, two years, five years, ten years passes. And we don't see it happen, brother, like we think it's going to happen. And so we're bound with failure of expectation to the point where anything God speaks to us about, we don't trust it. Some of you tonight have been asking God for years for certain things to come to pass, and you've not seen it, so you've stopped praying for it. God said, I'm trying to make you vulnerable. I'm, try I'm trying to make you weak. I I'm trying to get to the point where you stop relying on yourself. 
One writer said that it is intensity that causes us to run before we are sent. And it is insecurity that comes, uh, that causes us to retreat when we haven't met our own personal standard. And it is inferiority that causes us to resist when God actually does call us. But don't let that be mistaken for humility because it's very different. We feel inferior, and that's not humility. That's not being humble tonight. But we've, we've lost our fervor. And God, we've not seen it pass, so why, why would we worship the way he's asked us to? Why would I get out of my comfort zone? Why would I flee Egypt? Why, 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 why would I leave the comfort of the Father's house and the, and the tents? Why, why, would I, why would I not? There is something about being vulnerable in the kingdom that can't be avoided. I think that there are some very specific promises, and I think that some of you, even as I've been talking, have begun to remember some things that God's dealt with you about, and you've said, I gave up. I didn't hold on to it. I didn't hold on to the promise. I let my calling fall by the wayside. I'm talking to some elders here tonight, some of you older ones. Our kids, the, the kids at this church are fan, they remind me of my youth group. They're fantastic about responding to what God has asked them to do. But I'm talking about, I'm talking to some elders here tonight that 15, 20 years have went by and you've not seen it like your life has not turned out like you thought it was going to, and you've given up. You didn't get the job you wanted and and, and, and you didn't get the you didn't your, your schooling didn't go like you thought it was going to. And, and, and your life is a mess and your marriage is falling apart and, and you're not making as much money a, a, as you thought you, you, you ought to and you've just totally given up on him. God said, all the while, I'm just trying to make you vulnerable. Just trying to separate you. Just trying to pull you from some things. 2020 gave us a, an an excellent opportunity to be separate from some things and everybody just looked at it as why me why would i go through that now that wasn't in my notes pastor i'm sorry i just man i got the whole drive over i got a burden for some some elders here i know it's easy to look at these that are standing up here right now. I know it's easy. You see, because they, they've got the burden. They'll take care of us. They're, they're the ones, they get to sing in the choir, and they get to, they get to be a part, and, and they're the ones that, that get the limelight, and they, they're the ones that get tagged on Instagram. God's not forgotten about some of you elders that have a very specific role in Fort Myers. I hope some of us, I hope some of you haven't forgotten about that. That just because you guys got great, and I, I hate to even sound cliche because I feel like when I watch your services, every preacher comes in here and talks about the great music and preaching, but they don't say that by accident. You guys have everything great, but come and enter, thou good and faithful drummer. Come, come, come and enter, thou good and faithful, uh, sorry, come and enter, thou, uh, uh, thou, thou, thou really good choir member. I love to play the piano. That's, I, I'm a musician myself. I love it. 
but I don't love that more than I love putting my face on the carpet and seeking his face. And some of you have forgotten about that. We have a way of graduating from the things of God. This graduating spirit has crept into our churches. And, and I think it, it comes from this false sense of respect. That, uh, is this okay, Pastor? I'm sorry. I know I'm trying to go, trying to go quick. It comes from this false sense of respect of, I don't want to be out of line. Uh, well, you know what, pastor's got to shut everything down. And look, hear me tonight. Spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. All right? That's why I keep looking at your pastor. I don't want to be out of line tonight. But I'm here to tell somebody that some of you, God's been asking you to do some big things. And it's this spirit of, well, you know what, the youth need their blessing. And, and you know, I, I remember at the other buildings, I, I was bought in at the other buildings, and, and we got this now, so now it's time for somebody else to get under the burden. It's their turn to give. It's their turn to worship. It's their turn to pray. Don't you know I worked all day? Why would I be at church at 7 o'clock for a pre-service prayer? I've already done it. I've already been there. I already did that. I was there, I was there in the grinding years, so I, I don't, it's, it doesn't affect me anymore. Some of you better be very careful tonight. Because you're able to justify anything that you're doing for what you say you do in his name. God, I just I just can't do it because you know I I, I was at Friday night. Outreach, so Saturday outreach, that's not for me. I think that some of you here tonight are forsaking a relationship with Jesus because what you say you do in his name. Where is this coming from? I have no idea. I'm so far off my notes. Some of you have looked at everything that you've done and you've stacked up how much you've done over the last Five years, and you've said, I'm good. I don't want it anymore. This is my, welcome to Fort Myers, where everybody comes to retire. That retirement mentality has started creeping in you a little bit. 85% dancing, shouting, running. The 15%. I'm not going to get these kids any further Than what they were at when Rev was up here. But I'm begging and pleading with some of you folks towards the back. I'm trying not to look at you. I'm begging and pleading that God has made you some promises and you've given up. And Pastor, I was talking with my father the other day. And we were talking about a certain situation. And it was a, a, it was a bad situation. Long story short. I told my father, I said, I said, Pops, even if I was the perfect sin, and, and, and I don't have Bible for, for this, talk to your pastor about it. Even if I was the perfect saint, paid my tithes, showed up on time, did what my pastor asked me to do, if I don't fulfill my calling, I, I feel like I'd go to hell. I feel like with what God has trusted me with, what he's asked me to do, I, I wouldn't be able to live with myself. 
And some of you are okay with just sitting on a pew. You're okay with letting everybody else get the blessing. (laughs) Some of you are vulnerable tonight and you just won't let the Lord fix it. You just want to do it by yourself. I just think we need to lift our hands just real quick here. Just begin to talk to the Lord just for a second. Come on, if you know how to speak in tongues, now's a good time. Thank you. Thank you for responding. And I'm I'm wrapping up quickly here. I've already went way longer than I wanted to. My apologies. After Moses leaves from Jethro, he's got these sheep. The Bible says that he goes and he has his encounter with God through a bush. And I guess maybe it's just my carnality tonight, but I got to be honest with you, if a bush started talking to me, I'd scream. I would lose it. I'd run so fast. You've never seen somebody so fast. I think that it needs to be said tonight that observation is not of God. And we have seen things and are beginning to look at things that we think, how is this possible? How, God, could you ever make them come to pass? And we look with our own eyes and we begin to observe and we begin to look at the logistics and we begin to look at how God could, you know, not do this. And observation tonight has never been how God's operated. It's not of God. You see, but where observation uh, fails, revelation steps in. So, to give you some examples, observation would be uh, 5,000 people being hungry and you only having five loaves and two fish. And observation would um, leave Naaman to die in Assyria. And observation would probably leave the little shepherd boy dead in a valley and um, observation would probably leave those children of Israel to die in between a sea and an army. But revelation is where God steps in and he says, I'll take five loaves and two fish and feed the 5,000 and I'll help a shepherd boy to slay a giant and I'll uh, I'll, I'll have Naaman dipped seven times and be healed. 
observation, some of you are so focused on what's going on around you that it's not of God. It's never been the, God is a God of habit and patterns, and he's never operated like that, and so he won't operate like that in your situation if you'll allow it. Now, <laughs> the reward of the desert here tonight is more desert. The Bible says that Moses spends 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in Midian, and then 40 years wandering through the wilderness again. The reward of the desert is more desert. There's never a point in life where you graduate or you finally get out of the things of God and what he has for you. Some of you have been asking for the Lord to speak to you. God, let me figure it out. God, give me the word. The Hebrew word for desert is midbar, which derives from the word dahabar, which means to speak. God said some of you are reaching while you're in the desert. You're reaching. You're grasping at everything. Anybody that will give you any water and anybody that will feed you and anybody that will give you any type of false fruit. God said, all the while I sent you to the desert so I could speak to you. In my weakness, made strong. In my infirmities and in my insecurities and and in my financial trouble, and in my marriage falling apart, and in my family being backslidden, made strong. Some of you have been reaching for so long. God, all the while, is saying, I just need to speak to you. You're so caught up with your pride. You're so caught up with... Whatever this world has for you. But you won't let him work on you. You won't let him have his way in your life. If you want to make your way into the promised land, you got to first be vulnerable. You got to first be weak. You got to first be insecure. One writer said, you are to fear a man that takes pleasure in weakness. Because from that comes genuine anointing. Some of you, your anointing that will break the yoke and whatever your situation is will only come from faith. Not by works. So I'm reaching for you today. I don't have anything else I can say to you. I've given you my best here tonight. But I'm asking if you'll begin to fill these altars. I'm begging, I'm pleading with somebody. I know you feel lonely. He will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. I'm asking you to fill these altars. If you've never spoken in other tongues, as the Spirit gives the utterance, I'm, I'm inviting you down here. 
This isn't about joining a church. This isn't about anything. If you've never been baptized, we got the water ready. I'm inviting everybody to please come down, find a place to pray, put your face in the floor and recommit to him as they begin to sing, God's dealing with you. Let the Lord use you. Let the Lord lead you. Jesus' name. Shake them and stir them, God. Lead them and guide them, Jesus, to be what you want them to be, to be what you call them to be. Sir.